Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. On the day one of the church, it was not a white man's religion. Today, it's not a white man's religion. And I submit to you, it has never been a white man's religion. Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast. We have another episode live on site at the Southern Evangelical Seminary's National Conference 2022. I'm here with one of our speakers for today, Dr. H.C. Felder, who has written a great book called The African American Guide to the Bible. I'm so excited to introduce you to him. Dr. Felder, thank you so much for stopping by. For anyone who's unfamiliar with you, your ministry, Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, and then I'd also love to hear your story, how you came to know the Lord. Okay. So, yeah, that goes back. Um, I, I actually grew up in a household that was a Christian household. I, well, I say Christian because they, my parents made us go to church every Sunday. But I went to church with my brothers, but we didn't really go to church. We just went there and just, you know, goofed off. <laughs> chase little girls around and stuff like that. But so I would say, you know, growing up, I would say I, I believed in God, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I was a Christian because I didn't know. Who, I heard the name Jesus, but I didn't know who he was. But years later, I decided to join the Navy. And when I joined the Navy, um, I made a decision that changed my life forever. I went to a Subic Naval Base as my first duty station, I was 21 years old, and I remember I walked outside the gate, and I remember I looked around, and I saw two things that caught my attention. One was all the beautiful women, and the other was all the beautiful bars. The two things I had a, a passion for, women and bars. <laughs> so I decided right then and there to no longer believe in God. Mm. I made a constant decision to no longer believe in God. I said, God, I'm not gonna believe you anymore because I don't want to interfere, anything to interfere with the way I wanted to live my life. I didn't want to be told who I could do, what with, when I could do it, how often I could do it, and how to do it. 
So I decided, God, you're no longer part of my life. So I became a professing atheist from that moment on. And I imagine in heaven, God was like, thy will be done. Because God did what scripture tells us. He turned me over to the desires of my flesh. Wow. And I was turned over to those things. And those two things consumed me. And I was a hardcore atheist. And I was pretty good atheist as far as sticking to atheism, except there were times when I struggled with my atheism. You don't hear people say that a lot of times, struggle with atheism. But I would struggle with atheism because I was in the Navy and I would go out to sea and I would, nighttime I would look up at the stars and I would see creation and I would just look and say, and no person did that. And so and I would get back and see, back from sea and then I would get back to, you know, doing the stuff that I was doing. But yeah, those were times where I would struggle because I wouldn't know that there was something bigger than us. And so those things, you know, like I said, consumed me. I actually ended up getting out of the Navy and went to school to um, uh, pursue a degree in computer science. Graduated, actually got a job at NASA as a software engineer. Went back to, uh, I was in Greenboro, Maryland. I'm from the D.C. area. And I loved that job. I was there for well, about eight years. And, and one day, my uncle came to me and he said, look, he said, I know this girl. She's a Christian now. But in about six months, she probably won't be a Christian anymore. <laughs> but I can introduce, introduce you to her so that when she's no longer a Christian, you know, then you know, you're in a good spot. It's quite a plan. There was a, <laughs> it, made, it was genius to me. <laughs> it made complete sense to me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, okay, that's great, that's great. But what I didn't count on was the fact that she was the first Christian I ever met in my life that talked to talk and walked to walk. Wow. She was actually an example of, of, of what a Christian should be. And so I started spending time with her and starting seeing fruits in her life. And one Friday, she invited me to go to church with her. And I remember it was a Friday because I remember thinking, what idiot goes to church on a Friday? You go to happy hour on a Friday. But because she was fine, I went. Had me a couple of drinks and went. And we were at church and, you know, heard the music. I don't really know what was going on, but I had this feeling just come up in me. And, and it started at my feet and it was coming up. And, and I fought it off. And on the way home, I was telling her about it. And she said, well, that was the Holy Spirit. And I, I don't know why I believe that. But I was like, you know what, that makes sense. I don't, don't, don't ask me why. Now, I'm software engineer now, NASA, very analytical. But it made sense to me. It made sense, more, better sense than any explanation I had. <clears throat> Sorry. So I actually accepted Jesus as my, as my Savior. We poured over, did it. But after a couple of weeks, I started, you know, the euphoria rule off. And I was like, what did I do? I can't believe I became a what? So I said, you know what? Okay. Clearly, I just got caught up in some emotion. And this Christianity thing isn't really real. So let me do some research. And I did some research, and I was shocked to find out that Christianity was true. I was shocked to find out there's evidence that God exists and the God ex that exists corresponds to the God of the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. Jesus rose from the dead. I was shocked and I was a little upset because no Christian ever shared this information with me. Wow. Not one Christian, and I was like dogmatic about my atheism and not one Christian ever shared that with me. So I decided to quit my job as a software engineer at NASA, sold my house, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, and attended Southern Evangelical Seminary to study apologetics. Wow. That's how I got here. 
So I got my degree in um, apologetics, my master's. Then I went back to get my, my DMIN, my doctorate of ministry. And I was trying to come up with a, a, a project for my dissertation. And I was having a hard time thinking of something. So one, one uh, weekend here in Charlotte, I went to a Juneteenth celebration at uh, Freedom Park. And it was hot. I remember it was hot. But the music was good. Food was good. And I saw a picture that, transformed, that changed my life, that transformed my life. And it was a picture of a black baby. And the black baby was being fed by a large spoon. Holding the spoon was a white hand. And in the spoon were a cross, the Bible, and chains. And they say a picture's worth a thousand words. And that is when I decided to do my book, The African-American Guide to the Bible. And so my book basically is four sections. The first section deals with the inerrancy of Scripture, because if the Bible is not the Word of God, who cares what it says? The second part is the black presence in the Bible, just demonstrating that the, the book of the Bible isn't a book about white people for white people. The people in the, in the Bible were very, they were, you know, they were people of color by and large. And the third part is the Bible and racism, just dealing with all the arguments that people use to try to prove that the Bible is racist, that God is racist, that Christianity is racist. And then the last part was actually the, the unity of man, how God actually does view us. He actually views us as, as all being made in his image, all coming from the same uh, Adam and Eve that were, that were made in his image. And I, he, all see, he sees us all as being very important and very valuable. So that's how I sort of got into this topic, so sort of gotten into the book. And because I started that, now people reach, reach out to me from all over the world, people who are dealing with uh, issues of racism and Christianity and, and um, yeah. dealing with arguments that Christianity supposedly, slave religion and all that type of stuff. So I'm the, the de facto expert at it. Well, I love that story because we all have moments like that in our lives where either somebody presents an argument or even asks a question, in your case, seeing this photograph and it just makes you dig in and want to know, is what, this is, is what they're saying true or is what I believe true? And I love that you did that because this does seem like there are different, each, you know, different people groups have different challenges as it yes. relates with the Bible and the truthfulness of Christianity. And there's gonna be different ways we go about answering some of their questions. And I love that you've outlined so much of this in your book, The African American Guide to the Bible. So let's just start with one of the big questions. In my work with progressive Christianity, I hear this a lot where people say, you know, I can't, I can't believe the Bible is inspired by God because it condones slavery. So, Dr. Felder, does the Bible condone slavery? How do you go about answering and thinking about that question? Yeah, and, and, and I guess that sort of depends on what you mean by slavery. Now, in the Bible, God actually did something that no other nation did. He put parameters around people as far as what slavery was, what people could and could not do. And what you see, what's unique in the Bible as opposed to other nations around the Israelites is that it always maintained the dignity of the person. And, and there were significant differences between what happened here in the United States and the Annabelle South and what was going on in the Bible. For instance, um, for a, a slave had to be free after six years. Mm -hmm. um, a slave could only become a uh, slave for life if he requested it. A, uh, a slave could actually run away from his master, and if you found a slave that had run away, you could not, 
the slave could decide where he wanted to go. A slave could actually inherit the, um, the like for instance, Abraham, was going, if he didn't have a heir, he was saying that his slave was going to be his heir. So in a lot of ways, uh, it was like a, uh, an extension of the family. And also, in a way, it was also a way that God provided for people mm. because, because there was no welfare system. So a lot of times, a lot of it was indentured service. Or say, for instance, a family was very poor and they didn't have any money. They couldn't, maybe they couldn't even raise their own kids. They would uh, loan, the, loan their children out to another family that would take them on and they would become basically their servants. So there were a lot of those. Now, I will say this. I will say that there were instances where some of those protections were not guaranteed because there were instances where God actually used slavery to punish people. Mm. Now, God used slavery to punish the Canaanites. And that's what we see when the Israelites were going in there. But it was because what the Israelites had done. And, and, and there was a passage that uh, God's having a conversation with Abraham and he's telling him, I'm going to bring you back here because the Amorite sin has not risen to the full measure yet. And so when God uh, told them to conquer the land, he was saying that the reason he's telling them to conquer the land is not because the Israelites were so good, but because of the abominations that the people in that land had done. So some of those protections did not apply to them because God was punishing them. Now, what, what comes up here is something very, very interesting I find out, because somehow people tend to look at the Israelites as being white and then the Canaanites as being black. Right. So somehow now God is... is, uh, is um, endorsing the slavery of, 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 of blacks, you know, against whites. Whereas none of that's true. I mean, the, the, the Jews weren't white. I mean, I, 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 well, I don't know if we get into that sometime, but they, they weren't white. So, and there was no reason to think that they were any different than the Canaanites, maybe a little darker, but, but race wasn't an issue. Race wasn't, race is not a biblical concept. Race did not exist in the time of the Bible. Whenever we are reading the Bible and we impose race upon it, upon it, we are already wrong. Wow. Race was invented in our recent history to categorize people by science. So whenever you look at race, then you know, you, you're already off on the wrong foot. So, and people use that to justify slavery in America when we're talking about these rules that apply to very specific people at a very specific point in time and trying to use those to justify slavery is, 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 is really crazy. But let me say this, let me say this about slavery. Uh, slavery has existed in every nation. It, it has always existed. It existed. Whenever you read the Bible, you hear about captivity. That's slavery. Yeah. We had Europeans were enslaving Europeans, you know, hundreds of years before the first black came to, to, to America. I mean, the word slave comes from the word slav, and this was when the Europeans, when the Muslims, the Muslims enslaved the Slavs during the 900 ADs. So Europeans enslaved Europeans. Uh, Asians enslaved Asians. Uh, you had even in, in more modern history, um, Africans enslaved Africans. A lot of people, you know, I, I, I have this thing where, you know, where I grew up and I, I saw the movie Roots mm -hmm. and uh, watching the movie Roots and the thing that really upset me about that movie is when beginning where you had the, um, the white people going in and they captured uh, Kunta Kinte. Uh, and then brought them back to America. But the, the problem with that is that that just was a lie. That didn't happen. Uh, uh, Alex Haley actually plagiarized that book from a, a white guy who wrote, a, who wrote some fiction, and he was sued, and he was successfully sued, and 
And I was still admit, yeah, you know, I was, I was just trying to create a myth for us to live by. But what actually happened is you had Africans enslaving other Africans, and the whites went over there, and the whites would buy slaves from the Africans. Mm. And the Africans kept more slaves for themselves than they ever uh, sent to America. And there were more slaves going to, to the Middle East through the Muslims than they were going to America as well. So there was, there was uh, slavery going on uh, all over the world, even in this country. People like to think, you know, when the white man came and it corrupted the Native Americans, but they were taking each other's slaves long before the white man came. The white man didn't have to teach them how to take slaves. They knew how to take slaves. As a matter of fact, there was a point at first when, you know, the, 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 uh, the white people would trade first for the Native Americans, but then they got to the point where they found that it was cheap, it was more expensive, it was more beneficial. They would take their neighboring tribes as slaves and sell them to the white people. Wow. So, and a lot of times the, the Native Americans would raid uh, slaves, would raid plantations, steal the slaves, and then sell them to other plantations in other locations. But, but not only the Native Americans taking Native Americans as slaves, but you also had Native Americans who actually took um, African Americans as slaves. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this. I did not realize. Uh, yes, and, and, and actually, if you, go to, if you go to my website, actually the, the talk I gave to today was on Christianity and slavery. And uh, I actually have a presentation on that, and I have all my, uh, my, my sources documented. But uh, there's a guy who's up from, actually Comanche himself, and he was from the Smithsonian Institute. He wrote, actually wrote an article on the Trail of Tears. And in the Trail of Tears, one of the things he's documenting is that, and for those who don't know the Trail of Tears, is when, um, when Native Americans were relocated from you know, places in the East and Southeast into the um, Midwest. And the, the trail um, was called the Trail of Tears because a lot of them died. But what a lot of people don't realize is that during this Trail of Tears, these Native American tribes had African slaves that went with them. Those African Americans were the ones who were, they, they were subject to black codes. They were subject to the exact same treatment that the whites had on them. They also believed that they were superior to blacks and equal to whites. They were no, they were no better off to, on the uh, blacks than, than the whites were. So, so Native Americans had slaves. You had African Americans had slaves. A lot of, of African American households had slaves. The free, 70% of free black households in the Alabama South had slaves themselves. And a number of those were commercial slave owners. So th this is my point. My point is, is that slavery had always existed. And, and, and people come to me sometimes, it's like, oh, you're trying to make excuses for, you know, for, for white people having, you know, for, for other people having slavery. No, the point, I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is that sometimes we have to realize that we were trying to, uh, we're looking back on slavery now and we're judging it a little bit differently. And what I mean by that is, Slavery was always understood and always condoned because it was just the way of the world. It was, there was never really anything wrong, seen wrong with it from a world perspective, unless you were a slave, of course. No one wanted to be a slave. But that's the way the world operated. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that slavery is wrong because of the Christian worldview. We, when we go back and judge slavery, we're doing it through the Christian worldview. We're doing it through the lens of man being made in the image of a God. Only through the Christian worldview do we see slave, slavery being wrong. It's definitely not incompatible with Islam. It's not incompatible with uh, atheism. It was when Christianity um, in, 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 in the Britain where the idea of man being made in the image of God sparked the abolitionist movement. And that abolitionist movement is actually what sparked the, 
the, the, the retreat of slavery. Britain actually used their military might to shut down other navies that were involved in, in the slave trade. They wouldn't trade with nations with favorable, favorable conditions unless those nations agreed to give up slavery. So in a sense, you know, their, their imperialism actually helped with the idea of man being made in the image of God to abate slavery worldwide. That is the only reason why slavery isn't still rampant today. We look at slavery as this, you know, isolated incident that happened in the antebellum South. No, slavery was the state of mankind since its inception. Only because of Christianity, it was, was it even challenged. Wow. So when people say, I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, Christians, most, most Christians were interpreting the Bible to condone slavery. And that's mm -hmm. why slavery, you know, was so prolific around the world. And, and so, you know, then, yeah, there were some who used the Christian worldview to get rid of slavery. But, you know, maybe we need to rethink other issues based on the fact that, you know, people interpreted it in so many different ways. What would you say to, to that charge? Do you think that Christians, I mean, there certainly were some who used the Bible to condone slavery, but do you think that was the dominant view, or how would you come about thinking about that question? Okay, so let me say this. There were Christians who had slaves. There were Muslims who had slaves. There were Hindus who had slaves. There were Buddhists who had slaves. So if you look at the people who had slaves and then you are judging the religion by that, then, you know, I think, I think that's wrong. And, and, and let, me, let me say this, let me say this. There's a difference between Christians and Christianity. There's a big difference. Christianity is not what you see me do or you see other people do. Christianity is what the Bible teaches, what the Bible affirms, what Jesus taught, what Jesus affirmed. That is what Christianity is. And the overruling idea is that man is made in the image of God, that Jesus came for the salvation of all. The Great Commission, go to all nations. It didn't say go to black nations, then go to white nations, go to all nations. That's the Great Commission. Even in heaven, when you see Paul, I mean not Paul, but John the Revelator is talking about what does he see in heaven? All tongues, all nations, all ethnicities. Throughout the entire Bible, the message of salvation was always a blanket across all ethnicities. So, so yes, there were Christians who did that, but, but yes, they were wrong. They did misinterpret the Bible. But here's the thing. People will use whatever form of authority that exists and twist it to their own view. So the two, prevailing, the two prevailing views or thoughts were science and the Bible. Mm. So those who wanted to, to condone slavery used the Bible and twisted it. The same people did the exact same thing with science because it was Carlos Linus in the 1700s that actually did the first categorization of human beings, which is where we get our races from today. And it was later expounded on by Charles Darwin. Mm. So, so Darwinism is a result of, of truly racist uh, ideology, but man will, will pervert whatever mm. is available to him to do what he wants to do. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, I, I, love, I love that scene in Revelation, every tribe, tongue, and nation all surrounding the throne, worshiping together. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I, it's one of my favorite things in Revelation, talking about that. So the Bible certainly talks about differences between people. There's different cultures and ethnicities. I, I, but, but you mentioned something very interesting. I don't know that a lot of people are aware of, that even the whole concept of race comes out of Darwinism. This isn't yes. something that comes from the Bible. So what does the Bible teach about uh, the separation? Does it teach the separation of races? Or how does the Bible come about that question? Okay. 
So, so I sort of deal with uh, uh, where I be view where races came from. Like I said, the word race isn't, you know, is, is, is a man-made concept. So I go back and I look at the, uh, the genealogies and I go back to a very important event. And that was the event where you had, well, all right. So first of all, in the genetic makeup of Adam and Eve was every single skin tone that we see today. You can't line up everyone and then point and say, okay, this is where black people begin. Eight people went into the ark. And what I find interesting is that I remember when I first started doing research, people would say, that, well, you know, the, the three sons of Noah, you know, one was Asian, one was uh, black, and then one was white, you know, for, for the European nation. And I started thinking about that, and that didn't really make much sense to me because they had the same mother and father. But what, what, what I believe happened is, is that they were pretty much well all the same. I mean, some people were lighter, some people were darker, but there was no such thing as race. And as, as, as God told them to fill the earth, Told them to multiply, fill the earth, and they had the Babel thing, and then God had everybody go their own way. Now, as people started migrating to different parts of the earth, people who were better acclimated to certain parts of the earth became healthier and had more children. So if, if you were uh, the sons of Jephthah and you went through Europe, and it's, it's a delicate balance between vitamin D and, and the sun rays. So those who were able to get more sunlight in were able to have more children, and those who had more children that looked like them, over a period of time, the people with the you know, lighter skin had, you know, were healthier, had more children that had lighter skin, and on and so on. Same thing with people who were darker, people who were, who were going south, southern to what Africa, who, who had darker skin, protect them from skin cancer, protect them from the harmful rays, tended to, have, tended to be more healthy and had children that were, uh, were darker as well. So, so people, as a matter of fact, you can look at uh, a map of skin color, and you can see it's generally geographical. Skin color is ge generally geographical. So I look at it as an example of, of, uh, of uh, microevolution where God designed us to be able to uh, adapt somewhat to our environment. Mm. And that's one of the things that man is able to do. And over the hundreds, thousands, or whatever years, man was able to, uh, to adapt to his environment and his reflection of, of that environment. Mm. So, but the idea of race, you know, was some scientists coming up and saying, well, you know, these people in that area have these general physical characteristics, which is fine, but then they started to add toward it, uh, to add also uh, behavior characteristics that they now stereotyping people with certain behavior. But that's all, that, all, that all goes back to science. I mean, that, that's what science did. That's what, do you know that the, the original title for Darwin's book was um, the, um, the um, I, I, just, I just wrote on that. But it's actually the, uh, the species of Origin of the species, species and, the, and the advancement of favorite races. Oh, wow. So they never add that second part onto it. Yeah, and I verified. I actually looked it up in the Library of Congress. Yeah, yeah. That was the original title. That was the original title. It wow. it had that in the original title. Oopsie. Oopsie. <laughs> yeah. So, and I actually I've given a talk on this, and uh, it's actually on my website as well, uh, uh, PowerPoint, where I actually talk about how Darwinism is racist. Mm. It is racist at its core. It is racist. Wow. So that's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> 
I was speaking at a conference uh, a few months ago, and a young man came up to me, and he had a paper in one hand and a pen in the other, and he was very troubled. He said, I really want to believe in Christianity. Uh, I, I'm really close, like, I, I want to get there. But I, he had been persuaded by someone that Christianity was invented by white people, it was a white man's religion, and he just couldn't get past that. And I remember talking with him for a little while, uh, but I wonder what you would say if this young man came up to you with his pencil and his paper. What, what do I do with this, uh, this idea that Christianity is a white man's religion? Yeah, I think that is a, uh, I think the enemy's done a really good job on that one. So here's the thing, Christianity was never the white man's religion. A lot of people don't think about this. Who was the first non-Jewish convert to Christianity? The first non-Jewish contact to Christianity was Ethiopian eunuch. That's right. And God performed the miracle through the apostle Philip to get the message to that Ethiopian eunuch who accepted the message, became baptized. That Ethiopian eunuch from Ethiopia went back to his queen, and according to tradition, he actually shared that message with his queen. Ethiopia became, well, by the fourth century AD, and this is not tradition, this is truth. By the fourth century AD, most of Africa was Christianized. Mm -hmm. And we know this, and this is one of the things I talk about in my book. We know this because we have the manuscript evidence. Mm -hmm. We have manuscript evidence written and copied that goes back to the two, 300 ADs. Long before, actually, it was before Christianity was even recognized as a religion by, uh, by Rome. Mm. Christianity was thriving in Africa without any influence from Rome. Wow. Christianity, the first, the first martyrs were there. The first uh, seminary was there. You had some of the, the, the early church fathers were African, like you had Augustine, who is basically the person who systematized, uh, systematized Christianity. You had uh, Tertullian, mm -hmm. who um, is uh, the one to reportedly be the first one to coin the phrase uh, Trinity. Mm -hmm. You had Athanasius, yeah. who was a staunch defender of the faith. He was African. Matter of fact, his, his, uh, his enemies called him the, the uh, Black Dwarf. That's they right. had a negative word for him. So, so some of the earliest, the, the earliest doctrines went through, the, the, even when the, the councils of Nicaea, these councils went through the local councils, which were, a lot of them were in Africa. So when they went to these Nicaean councils, they had already been debated in the African local councils. So a lot of the, the things that were passed by the church were things that were debated in African councils. So... The fact that you know the, that that somehow this was imposed on, uh, on 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 Christians or on blacks is just is just not true. As a matter of fact, Christianity migrated from Africa to Europe, not from Europe to Africa. I mean, some of it came back from from Europe to Africa, but initially because there was a persecution of Christians, and those Christians actually went to Europe, and it took and it took Christianity with them. So even when, and when, uh, when Constantine decided to make it the official religion, he went to Africa to get, to get uh, uh, scholars in Africa to teach them the Christian doctrines. Mm. So even today, Christianity, there are more Christians in uh, Africa today than there are in America and Latin America combined. 
I went, my wife and I, for my 60th birthday, I know I don't look that old. I know I don't look, just, you have to trust me on this one. We went to, um, to, um, to Kenya to celebrate my 60th birthday. It was on my bucket list. And I remember being there. I remember I was shocked at how many um, churches I saw. Mm. And, and I looked, and I, so I asked our tour guy, I said, wow, you know, there's a lot of churches here. He was like, well, yeah, Kenya's 85% Christian. And so then I went and looked, and I started doing my research. And like I said, some of this stuff is on my website as well. And you can see that, uh, I mean, there are countries in Africa that are like almost 100% Christian. Most of Africa now is Christian. So it, it wasn't the white man's religion when it first started. Because even think about Pentecost. On Pentecost, there were people from all over the known world. And that was when the church started. All over the known world. People from Africa, people from the Middle East. They all were on the church. There were no white people there. They were, right. On day one. Yeah. So on the day one of the church, it was not a white man's religion. Today it's not a white man's religion. And I submit to you, it has never been a white man's religion. That has just been a lie that we've been fed to confuse us and to deceive us. Do you, do you think that there's some of the reasons people might think that is because some of the artwork portrays Jesus with lighter skin? And, yes. Uh, so do, do you have uh, thoughts on that too? Because I know that I've heard different perspectives on yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, actually I do have a perspective on that. And my perspective is, is that Jesus, like I said, G, uh, skin color is determined largely by geography. So looking at what people are in, in that area today will give you a good indication of what Jesus would look like, you know, then, and it was more likely it would have been olive color. Now, when, when the, um, when you have people like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci and these people who were commissioned to do these pictures, they used models of people who they knew. Mm. And the people who they knew were people who looked like them. So they tend to make people who, they tend to make the people of the Bible look like, like they did. But, but it's not just them. So remember I was telling you before that, you know, we have, we have evidence of Christianity thriving in Africa long before, you know, Christian missionaries came there. But we have cathedrals and churches in Africa to go back to the two, 300 ADs. And we have, we have um, archeological findings of those. And a lot of those biblical characters are black. You know, they, they are painted as black. And that might be even closer to the truth. Yeah. But people would tend to see the people in the Bible, they would tend to see them like they are. Mm. So they would tend to just assume that they are like them. They just were, you know, wrong. Yeah. Well, this is great. As we come to a close here, what would you love to leave our our viewers and our listeners with today? If you could just give one, you you know, your I think the overarching work you're you're trying to do has to do with this topic of Christianity and racism. What what would you want to leave us with today? Okay. So I started out by telling you about how I was in bondage Mm. to to sex. I was in bondage to alcohol. When I became a believer, I was still in bondage. I was a, uh, I was a Christian alcoholic. <laughs> and I remember one day I was, living, I was sitting on my living room floor and my wife had left me. I was in an empty house. She took all the furniture. And I remember crying out to God. I said, look, look Lord, if you don't take this alcohol away from me, it's going to kill me. Because I realized I was trying to stop on my own. I couldn't do it. And I, and I cried out to Jesus to take it away from me. And I said about two weeks later, I went to take a drink. And, and it tasted like gasoline. And, and that was like in 1998. Haven't had a drink since. Not only have I not had a drink since, I never had a desire to drink since. And God just removed that from me. Now, I also had an addiction to pornography because that's, that's the road I was laid down. Because, you know, when I was turned over to the desires of my flesh, that's where it took me. 
So I had about 100 VHS tapes that, that tells you how long ago this was that I threw out. And, uh, but I didn't automatically stop you know, having sex when I became a believer because I really enjoyed it. So there was this one lady I had sex with, right? I became a believer. But for the first time, I was convicted. That was the first time I was ever convicted. So I had sex with her another time because I enjoyed it the first time. And I remember, I remember afterwards, and I remember I was laying in the bed, and I remember I saw this vision. And it wasn't a vision out there. It was a vision here. It was all in my mind. And it was a vision of Jesus, and he was crying. Mm. And he said to me, he said, you chose to please yourself wow. over pleasing me. And... That was it. From that day on, I was celibate until the day I got married 10 years later to my wife. So those two things that I wanted to be free to do were the two things I wanted to be in bondage to. Mm. Those are two things that had me in bondage. I was in bondage my whole life too, you know, ever since I made that decision and I didn't even realize it. So the point I guess I want to leave people with is that, you know, Christianity is responsible for freeing the slaves physically. But more so than that, Jesus is responsible for freeing us spiritually from the bondage of sin because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. That'll preach. <laughs> That'll preach. Where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? Givingunanswer.org. Givingunanswer.org. Awesome. Well, I want to thank my guest, Dr. H.C. Felder. What a great discussion. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and take a moment to subscribe and click that bell icon to be notified every time we release a new video. We've got some great conversations coming up for you. If you're listening on audio platforms, it always helps if you go leave a five-star review. And of course, share this post on social media. Share it with your friends. Send it to them through email or text. And we are so glad that you tuned in, and we'll talk to you next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.